Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. It is a rainy day here in the beloved city of New York, September 18th. And I know last week I had to take off. I thought that I had enough time to drop an episode from last week. But as I said before, I went on vacation. I went all the way to North Carolina, you know, visited the triangle spot of Raleigh, Cary, Durham. I didn't get to see Holy Springs, and I didn't get to see, what what was it, Chapel Hill? Something Hills. I forgot what it was, but I didn't get to see everything as much as I wanted to see, but went there with my girlfriend, and we actually, we had a good time. We drove around, even though it was raining a lot. Even though there are common power outages there because of the weather a lot. But it was a different experience. At least for her. For me, it was just being out in the open road. And just doing whatever it is that you wanted to ensure that not everything had to feel congested. Or everything fell together. That's what it's like here in New York if you truly think about it. Like for those that have never ever been to the city. If you've never been to the city and you want to visit New York City for whatever reason, you know, there are the tourist attractions, and there are the places that you want to visit, like Broadway and the parks and, you know, everything in between. But for me, growing up here, living here my entire life, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know what? I'm really feeling that maybe I should just be somewhere else, or at least live somewhere else in order to be happier. And make sure that everything doesn't feel so close together. You know, driving in a city, I rarely do nowadays. And it's just one of those things where it's like, maybe it's time for a change. And I've always said this for a while, especially to my friends that comes to me with advice. Or not with advice, but when they ask for advice. And I tell them. And basically point straight out where it's one of those things where it's like, listen... If you don't like where you are in your life, change. Do something about it, whether it takes a while, whether it takes a long time. Change something about yourself that you don't like so you could feel better. And you can perform better. And you can do whatever it is that you want in your future because of that. Sitting there and bitching about it and moaning about it, yeah, we... We have mechanisms and we have ways on how to express ourselves and to ensure that we just want to vent and get everything out because we don't want to keep things bottled in. It's exhausting and it's annoying. But at the same time, if you're complaining over the same thing each and every single day for so many years and you know you're finally at the position to do something about it, do it. Work towards what you got to work towards. And do it. So that was my mindset. And that is why I most likely may be moving again by the end of the year. 
I don't know where exactly. I'm not 100% sure if it is going to be North Carolina. I'm not 100% sure if it's going to be maybe Virginia or Tennessee. Or maybe I want to stay here in New York but be somewhere else, like somewhere upstate. Somewhere a little bit more quiet. Then again, it's, you know, a little bit north and cold and rainy and windy and dusty. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just spitballing ideas here. But when I know something, you'll definitely know something. So this week in the comic book world, you know, I pretty much talked on along about that. Bottom line is I had a good time and now I'm back. Now here we are, a week later, and a lot of news, a lot of interesting news has been going around. And last Thursday, the Aquaman 2 trailer has dropped. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom coming out December 20th on Wednesday, the last superhero movie of the year. Uh, mm, Superhero movie, yes, content, I don't know. I think Marvel's What If is also happening at the end of the year too. And... I watched the trailer, if you've seen it, it's basically, I'm getting a a bromance type of a feel, where it's about Arthur Curry and his brother Orm, and they have to, they, they have to stop the Black Manta in order to wreak havoc upon the world of the city of Atlantis, all the way down into the bottom of the sea, and of course the MacGuffin that they have is the Black Trident, which is one of the most powerful weapons in all of comic book history. I'm just spitballing on that one. And I do get a little bit of a bromance feel. I do. I think it's going to be an adventure about brothers, uh, family, and how important it is for them. Maybe they have a lot of similarities as opposed to their differences. And they can find a way to work together. And they can find a way to reconcile and, and, and join together as one. And there's going to be a lot of slapstick comedy. Maybe on the expense of Orm because he is the serious one in Aquaman. He is serious too, but he's more on the jokey-jokey type of character. It can work, and I think at this point, it's the only thing we do have in order for us to deem this movie watchable or enjoyful. Enjoyful? Enjoyment. Find enjoyment. (laughs) Find enjoyment in terms of watching this movie. But I have to ask, by the way, on the trailer for the two frames that you see Amber Turd as Mira and she's doing what she's doing. I know there's been a lot of news reports that maybe her scenes have been cut drastically because of the situation of what's been going on with her and Johnny Depp. We all know the situation with that. We all have seen the documentary and we all have been watching the news since last year. So I know in many cases there's a question to be asked Are we really excited to watch this movie? Are we really excited for us to get up from our butts and actually pay our hard-earned money to go to the ticket, go to the movie theater, and be like, you know what? I'm actually going to enjoy this. I'm actually going to enjoy this movie, even though the superhero movie, which, in my opinion... (sighs) It's always sad when I bring about this. It really is. I don't want to admit, even though I I am kind of admitting now, that the superhero genre is dying. It really is. There is a time 
throughout history, when a certain genre of movies have lasted for so long throughout a period, and it's only a matter of time before something else takes over. And something else replaces in terms of the next big bad thing. In the 70s and the 80s, we had our romances and the rom... No, the rom-coms were around the late 90s, early 2000s. But you had your action movies and you had your sci-fi and you had your old westerns. You know, those type of genres. From literally 2010, even though it started in 2008. And a little bit before then with the Batman trilogies and whatnot. From 2010 all the way to literally for about a decade, 20, you know, 2020-ish before the pandemic, pre-pandemic, the superhero genre took the world by storm. And it was one of those things where you got certain directors like Martin Scorsese saying, this is not cinema. This is not cinema at all. But... It was historic because it revolutionized the blockbuster industry in the movie industry for so many years. And in a way, it's still going. But then it's been slowly declining. And there's been a lot of people, Critical Drinker and Mauler and, you know, Nerdrotic and everybody else, you know, the hardcore critics that, that watches movies and literally sees this from a different point of view. They watch these films and they watch these movies and they think to themselves, yeah, pre-Endgame was awesome. And you can agree with that. And I can admit that. Pre-Endgame was awesome. Post-Endgame, everything went downhill from Marvel Phase 4 all the way till now. And I hate to admit this because I live my life around this. My brand is my superhero identity. I love helping people. I love guiding people to doing, to, to, to push them to the limits and beyond. You know, I want to help them with their traumatic experiences. I want to help you in terms of just talking and saying, you know what? You can be like Batman. You can be like Spider-Man. You can be like all of these superheroes that we kind of worship as gods, if you truly think about it. Maybe that's a little extreme, but you kind of get my point. We see them in this entity that we aspire to be. And it's the most, it's the only point of where superhero movies even comes across. But then we come across now, and then we push ourselves into thinking maybe the superhero has a little bit of life left when in reality it doesn't let's look at the numbers I don't have the exact numbers on me but at the global box office the superhero movies have been declining like crazy whether you're looking at it from the Marvel perspective or you're looking at it from Warner Brothers Warner Max and it really has you look at every single global box office number, the last, since we're talking about Aquaman 2 right now, from recent memory, the last, well, when was the last time a Warner Brothers movie actually, in terms of superheroes, actually crossed a billion dollars? The first Aquaman? Back in 2018? Wonder Woman? Before then? Maybe 800 million plus? Since then, everything has been declining. So, the question has to reside. After watching this trailer, 
are we still excited for superhero movies? The hardcores would say yes. Casuals, not so much. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the numbers. The numbers don't lie. Maybe some certain studios could change certain things every now and then, but the numbers don't lie here. So will Aquaman 2 succeed? What is your definition of success on this? Can we just accept the fact that, yeah, maybe things will never, ever go back to the way things were, and we have no choice but to accept that? And it's so hard to accept this mediocrity in this form, this vast form of acceptance, because we want superhero movies to be good, and we want them to succeed. But as long as the brand, which is Marvel, and the brand of the DCEU, which is now ending with Aquaman 2, continues to be as they are, We're just going to have to accept it for what it is. Are we excited to see Aquaman 2? That's for you to decide. Me? I'll watch it. (laughs) I'll still watch it, of course. It's just sad in terms of how we even came across right now. It really is. After watching the movie, a lot of people are going to shit on it because Amber Turd is still there, regardless if her scenes has been cut drastically. I know that, in my mind, the director James Wan, which is still a great director, maybe there's some life with that, and maybe it can cross $500 million at the global box office. Maybe it can do that. Maybe it can be our version of Guardians of the Galaxy 3. You know, it's, it's that movie that it's like its own gem, but in a variety, not a variety, in a vast collection and the vast franchise of what we have with the DC Extended Universe, maybe this can do okay. Am I going to hold my breath on it? Not really so much. So, like I said, I'm still going to watch it. It's coming out December 20th on a Wednesday, which is interesting to me that it's coming out on a Wednesday as opposed to the weekend on Friday. But I believe that it's because Warner does not want to compete with under with other Movies that may be doing extremely well at the global box office during that time and maybe they think to themselves that they have an early release and they can actually have people watch more movies ahead of time. Maybe the sales would go up like crazy. Who knows? I'm just spitballing here. But in my opinion, who knows? (laughs) Who the hell knows at this point? I think... (sighs) It's sad. It really is. I think we're just at the point where we're just trucking along and just watching a movie just for the hell of it. I mean, look at the top two movies that are killing it at the global box office. Barbie have surpassed a billion. Oppenheimer has surpassed 900 million. And those are not superhero genres by far. But there are cultural icons in terms of where we are in the movie industry. The fact is... The Walt culture in the superhero genre for movies, for Disney, and Hollywood in general, is dying. And all the political messages, or (laughs) critical drinker, the message, it's dying. And what we want, maybe I should make a, I'm sure there's a hat, make movies great again. Oh yeah, MMGA, make 
movies great again. So we'll see what happens with Aquaman 2. Just a few months away, I thought last week they gave up on the movie in general. There's been rumors that test screenings have not been doing well. Again, it's what you decide. It's what you decide. Oh, man. Well, that's all we have for Aquaman 2. Let's dive into some Marvel talk about the visual effects unionizing. Oh, yeah, that's been going on. We'll be right back right after this. We predicted it, didn't we? I think we did. We said that with the strikes of the WGA and SAG, that there would be a floodgate. A floodgate going on with more strikes and possibly more companies and more people banding together for a common cause in order to say, no, we will not take it any longer. We will do whatever we can to ensure that we get an equal share and an equal fair pay, equal rights, equal opportunities, or whatever the case may be. Well, now this is not about a strike. It's about unionizing, coming together. The Marvel visual effects team has now or will now be unionizing together, and they're going to form, basically they're going to form a union. (laughs) There's no way to beat around the bush. We've known for a while that visual effects, by far, as opposed to writing, is one of the most complex and the most, probably one of the most hardest jobs ever within the cinema in general, within movie, the movie business in general, the film industry. Within the film industry as a whole, visual effects are extremely difficult to pull off and master and go through for a very short amount of time. When a movie like Infinity War, like Endgame, that could have thousands of visual effects shots, if not thousands and more, And then we come across where a lot of people are underpaid, overworked, and continue to be worked to the bone, worked to the bone to deliver the masterful performances that we see on the big screen. We become in awe and we become entertained. We look at this and we go, this is one of the best things that we've ever seen by far. But then as of lately, everything has been slightly going downhill. If you remember the terrible VFX from from The Flash, oh my goodness, those CGI babies, why, why, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And then it comes across where a lot of these studio companies and a lot of these production companies that works on visual effects... Yeah, they're overworked like crazy. The way and how it works, and from my understanding, when a movie is going to be set and everything gets approved from the script to the director, the actors and everything, the writing is done and 
the pre-production and everything else is done. Everything comes after post in terms of visual effects. And what happens is, if you remember watching a movie and you see all those people with all those credits and you just see names after names after names and those are the amount of people that have had a hand in working the visual effects teams. And what happens is the companies that works for the 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 studios like Disney and Warner and Universal and everything else, they have a bidding war. They have a bidding war where these studios have to go to these companies to work on their films. And usually the ones that end up getting chosen or the ones that get hired to work on the visual effects teams in a way gets paid less because they're the ones that would take a less deal in order to work on the movies. And it makes sense. It's messed up, but it kind of makes sense from that perspective. Because imagine me being a voice actor. And this is going on currently in the voice acting community. We have a client that would have, that, that has a, a, a sea of people, a wide variety of people of 20 to 30 different actors. So what would happen is, and this is still going on now, what would happen is we would have a project and usually when it comes to pay-to-play sites, the sites that we have to pay in order to perform and act and work and do what we need to do, sometimes the people, the actors, would underbid themselves, undervalue their prices in order to get the job so that way they can work, they can book, and then they can go on to add it to their resume. It's the same concept with these visual effect companies. When you do that, you actually hurt the industry and you hurt the people around you and you actually end up hurting yourselves. Because you're not getting paid for what you're worth, you're undervaluing, undermarketing yourself, not marketing, you're undervaluing yourselves in terms of working as much as you can for that top dollar and... You're delivering on promises where you can't fulfill in a very short amount of time. Let's not forget, these movies, these turnaround times can take anywhere from six months to probably a year or more just for the movies to even conclude. Sometimes it's a little shorter because of demand, popular demand that goes on and we have to fill those box office numbers and we have to fill in the quota and we have to fill in those time slots for the movies to, 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 to even show because we have to pay back the investors and we have to pay back for the people that have invested their hard-earned money for these productions to even come to pass. And then what happens? We overwork we do crappy jobs and then we're like, all right, it's done. Here you go. I know I'm generalizing it as best I can, but that's how it is. I want to bring up a quote from a Marvel Studios VFX crew, which has more than 50 workers. I don't know who this particular company is. Not that I want to put them on blast, but here's what this person said and I quote I grew up dreaming of working on Marvel films so when I started my first job at Marvel I felt like I couldn't complain about the unpaid overtime unpaid overtime goodness the lack of meal breaks 
and the incredible pressure put on VFX teams to meet deadlines because I was just supposed to be grateful to be here at all. This was from Sarah Kazuko Chow, VFX coordinator at Marvel. <laughs> Unpaid overtime. Unpaid overtime. So imagine this. If you're the type of person that says, oh my god, no, you should be grateful working in a fantastic industry like Marvel. Mar Again, you're falling in love with the brand and that's not how it's supposed to work. That's not how it goes. You can love a brand. You can be a fan of the brand. I love Marvel. I love DC. I love Dark Horse. I love all of these awesome comic brands. But we're still human beings at the end of the day. We still have to work. We still have to provide. We still have to eat. We still have to sleep. The basic functions, the basic needs of human beings in general are still outweighed more than anything else. And we deny that because we're supposed to be grateful. We're supposed to, for lack of a better term, take it up the ass. We're supposed to be we're supposed to be grateful for the opportunities that are given to us when other people that would just have a lick, a dream, a chance to even work for a fantastic brand like this. But studios know this. A lot of studios end up using that against us. I, for one, would say, no, it's wrong. And I do not blame them for unionizing one bit. And it's only going to be a matter of time before they form a strike. Oh yeah. You think it stops with the WGA and SAG? Oh no. Uh, video game companies are now beginning to strike. If everything continues, the union workers for VFX, now that they're going to be unionizing, they're going to form a strike too. And if studios continues to overwork their hard-earned workers to make the magic happen in terms of what we see on the big screen, then we're not going to see anything. We're going to go back to the pandemic era. We're going to go back to the pre-HD times. And then what are we left? Just watching people on TikTok and YouTube and... Which is nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm going into that space myself but all I'm saying is treat your people better treat your people better and if you're the type of person that would overwork yourself to the bone and dismay or not think about anybody else I get it and I'm not going to sugarcoat it it's a selfish system we have to be selfish because we have to provide we have to protect we have to make money I mean, not this is not really connected, but let's look at the correlation here. Look at Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore had to continue her line of work and her Drew Barrymore show. She literally recently put out an, uh, a video explaining why she's continuing her show, which is going against the SAG rules and the WGA strike and going against all of that. But because she got backlashed heavily, heavily by other people and other critics and other workers and her colleagues she took it she took it down 
And she released a statement saying, we will stop production completely. I don't blame her. I don't blame her for going this route. Honestly, she has to work. And this goes back to what I said before. You can't blame people. I do support the strike. I do. But what I'm saying is you can't blame people for wanting to do their own thing and trying to find loopholes within the strike system because nobody likes to be unemployed. They don't. They don't like to be unemployed. Look at the aftermath of what the strike has done. Thousands of people lost their jobs because of this. I get that we're fighting for a cause. But what does it cost? Everything. So I'm happy for the... <laughs> I'm happy for the VFX teams to unionize. Hopefully they'll be working good and better in better working conditions. Before I go, I do want to say this. In terms of VFX, the Spider-Man 2 game... Oh, it looks so beautiful. It looks so beautiful. I thought that I would postpone myself in terms of getting us the Spider-Man. I don't even have a PS5 yet. But I thought I would postpone myself in getting the PS2 game. The PS2. Oh my goodness. The PS2. The PS5. PS2. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the PS5 game and the PS5 console in general. I think I'm going to get it by the end of October. I think I'm going to treat myself because I have overworked myself to the bone and I want to treat myself. I want to I want to have fun. And November I'm going to have a lot of fun with the game. I know this is a very technical masterpiece because the VFX with the, have you seen the suits? Oh my god, they look fantastic. They look gorgeous. And then we have villains that have been confirmed. We have Venom, we have Craven, we have the Lizard, and now we have Mysterio. Who knows in terms of what else the game can give us? Who knows? I think this is this game, the conclusion of this game, is going to set up something very big, very grand. I don't want to spoil what it is because I have a theory on it, but let's just say we're going to be seeing so much more after this game. A hell of a lot more. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. We'll get, once again, there we go. <laughs> once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for checking me out every single week. Don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. I forgot, I, I want to include a little bit of, um, I call it a say what now moment. I, I, I call it, a say what now segment. So after every episode concludes, there's going to be a little piece of news for a say what now. It's it's one of those things where you have to question it and you don't really have an opinion on it. And here's my say what now. Werewolf by Night will be debuting in color on on October 20th. Part of their Halloween thing going on for Disney. And I look at that and I go, why? But why? Why in color? The show was much more effective and it's extremely effective in black and white. It's a horror genre. 
why is it in color? Maybe it's a chance for Disney, which will be increasing their prices again in October. Oh, yeah. I've been paying attention for Disney Plus to be like, you know what? We People loved Werewolf by Night so much. Here's a secondary option. Let's have a great horror genre like this for superheroes to be in color. Why? And here's another say what now. And here two spots. Kite Man. Oh yeah. A show that really has not been asked by anybody is now getting his own show. A character that has not been asked by anybody is getting his own show. On Max. But why? Spending the production costs and the animation costs and the production... I don't know. I guess we just want to create just to create. But who knows? Maybe it could be good. Now that Peter Safran and James Gunn are in charge of DC Studios, I'm maybe sure this was his idea. Maybe. And I'm just guessing here. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Ah, there's still so many things that I have to watch too. Guys, thank you so much. Have a great moment. Have a great moment. Have a great day. Have a great time. Be safe out there. And as always, always remember, when it comes to games, shows, movies, news, comics, or whatever the case may be, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time. I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.